Listen, I don't have much time, but do you feel like you're going out of your gourd? Are you, do you have the cabin fever? Have you run out of Netflix to watch? If, has the thought occurred, hey, you know what? I can make funny stuff. I've been watching TikTok. I've been watching all the social networks and seeing what kind of creativity is coming out. I could create that. Hey, you know what? I wish they made a podcast about this. Well, you know what? You can make your own podcast. Go to anchor.fm. Go to it, please, right now. Make your own podcast. It's the lazy person's way to make stuff. You can make little segments. Uh, you could put music on there, found sounds, babies laughing, neighbors throwing frisbees, uh, uh, your friends playing guitar. Ah, it's so good. Anchor.fm. Please get this and find me. Inspirato Projecto. Let's be friends. Okay? Anchor.fm.
This is Stu Strauss, the woodsman, and you're listening to Inspirato Projecto. I'm going up to the train station. I'm taking a healthy jaunt over to Lawrence August's place. He's going to be driving me up to um, Hermosa Beach tonight. Tomorrow is a big, uh, big um, event that his stepbrother, Tony, is putting together. He's, his uh, stepbrother, Tony, has been working strong, I would say over the past 10 years and more, on a program called Operation Tone Up. And it's this program at schools to get kids healthy, eating right, figuring out, you know, taking a look at nutrition facts. It's a sensation sweep in the nation. They've done this at a lot of schools. He's gotten a lot of news, a lot of coverage on this thing. And yet, still somehow, he says it's not generating much of, a, of an income, I guess. But uh, there's, the we- there's a website where it's kind of like a video game. <clears throat> and the schools, they pay... At, for access to it, and the kids get like a, a password. They go on to this thing. They go on to something called Knowledge Island. And all over Knowledge Island, there are various places that you can go on it that you can click on. It's kind of it's an adventure. And so there are various characters that represent certain food groups. There's ice ice water, there's Carby, who is carbohydrates, there's uh, a bunch of them, and uh, so there are all these these cartoon characters on the website, you get to know these, these cartoons characters and everything, and so they issue these challenges at these schools, and so these kids at the schools, they compete against each other with fitness and all this stuff. Now, on the website they can interact with it because they're learning about nutrition there's a drag and drop workout uh, one about push ups one for sit ups all this stuff and you can kind of drag and drop your workout and each one has its own each one has its own video so you can watch the video while you're working out so you're in a sense you're working out along with the videos and uh it's really interesting. So, this year, I think they did one last year too. This year, it's out in Hermosa Beach. I don't know if, you know, what the whole situation is, how big this thing is gonna be. It sounds pretty, pretty enormous. I guess kids from all over uh, the country come in to be a part of this. And um, so, yeah, they want me to do camera work there. So I'll be doing some cameras tonight for this crazy event. And he's going to bring two cameras so I can have one that's set up on a tripod. And then the other one I'm going to sort of like have handheld and kind of move around that way. Roving, roving camera operator, if you will. So that'll be, that'll be fun and interesting. He was asking me for pointers on how to get more eyes on it, get more people taking a look at it. So I gave him some ideas and suggestions that 
I've seen work with uh, Yachtly Crew and a little bit with Kapow and some other projects. So I told him that yeah, I would do I would do my my best, you know, to plant the seed wherever I can and in in areas where I think people would be interested in coming across such information and where people already love that kind of information. So that could be Facebook groups, that could be Facebook pages. Anything that has to do with kids' health, fitness, family. I'm sure there's some family health, family exercise pages. You just plant it in there and and see see how they take to it. So we're gonna see what happens today. I'll most likely broadcast some more while we are on the bus, as there will undoubtedly be plenty of material to flow through at that point. So, having said that, we will talk more later, and goodbye. Surround yourself with people when you get off the phone. You go, wow, that was a hearty conversation. That was a hearty, informative, enlightening, exciting, encouraging, inspiring conversation. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to get off the phone with every person you talk to and be able to say that and to feel that way? Imagine if you were that person. We have that potential to be that person to someone else. How cool is that? We have that potential. 
have the potential to be the person you want. Who, who inspires someone when they get off the phone they feel good about themselves. Someone that we talked to on the phone and we said, tell me about your passions, tell me about your dreams, what do you like doing? And what are some of your favorite hobbies, etc., etc., etc. And then finding out about them and going, let's explore that. What can we do? What can we do? What can we do? So funny. My old department manager, Greg, he's got a buddy. He, he's, he, anytime I talk to him on the phone, he's my former department manager. He'll call me up. He's usually just down in the dumps, talking about some other terrible thing that's going on. And then he usually supplements with some stories of his, uh, I feel like I've told this story already. I'll save it for another, well, okay. So he's always talking about his uh, good old days of working, touring with Bo Diddley and all these people. He was, in a, uh, he was in a Beatles tribute band. He played Ringo in a Beatles tribute band. So this guy has toured a lot. I mean, one of the guys he toured with, it was just him and this other guy who was a great guitarist. Um, it was a friend of his, friend of his, and he's like, he's like, Greg, I'm 60 years old. I'm out there touring. You should be out there playing drums. You should be out there playing drums. And I'm like, Greg, it sounds to me like that's what you really need to do. You're always reminiscing about the good old days. You sound miserable. I said, we can either, we can either die with a whole buttload of regrets. And looking back on our life and going, I spent a majority of my life complaining, complaining about how I wish something, you know, my life was different. I need to go to the lamp and die that way. Or, and let's say you're struggling. He's struggling right now, financially. So either, either struggle financially and not do what we love doing, find excuses to not do what we love doing, or we struggle financially and at least to use that as the saving grace, as they say. Use that as the, the energizer, using our, our passions and talents as the energizer, as the thing that wakes us up. And, and inspires us, gets us rocking and rolling. So I said, it sounds to me great. You, you know, this is a message from the universe talking to you saying, hey man, you got the buddy who's trying to get you involved, you got your friend, you know, encouraging you, maybe it's time to do something. What's interesting was, <clears throat> right when I started saying that, all of a sudden he's like, okay man, well, I'll talk to you later, you know, he just hung up right away. So it's interesting how a lot of folks when they're confronted with their possibility of really really diving in to their passions and talents, they shrink. You know, they just melt. Even when there's a path that's laid out from the like, just, just walk along here, walk along this path. Here's this great stuff that inspires you. So, I encourage you. Put yourself on the phone or find friends. Use meetup groups. Use Facebook groups. Find a way to get into communities with people who encourage one another. Love 
unapologetically to do what you love doing and, and people you can share that experience with. Find those people. Talk to them on the phone. Be inspired. Be inspired. So wait, so when, when was this? You squeegeed your whole car? Oh, it was last summer. Hey, look at that. That's yeah. cool. I got a microphone. So how long did it take for you to do it then? Uh, about about 18 minutes. I, I it's, it's a, uh, well, it's a Corolla SR586. Mm -hmm. She's a cherry. I got her with uh, She's 90, a cherry. Yeah, I got her with 90. Uh, a sh a shiny 90, one she is. 98,000 miles on, the, on that puppy. 30-year-old wow, car, man. I'm dude, that's incredible. Yikes. Um, it looks like the DeLorean's next-door neighbor. It, it kind of is. Uh, I was thinking of dressing it up like a DeLorean for um, for Halloween, mm -hmm. and uh, maybe I could like go as like Marty McFly and yeah, you know, time and, travel this and thing. Maybe just so people know. Maybe I'll go. Uh, maybe I'll take the car to 1957 Halloween as the DeLorean. Oh, oh! So you're saying you so. When you were squeegeeing this, this was on a Halloween, you say? No, it wasn't, but I was thinking of actually dressing up my car like a DeLorean. Oh, that's right, yeah, and then take it back then to, on, on a Halloween. On a Halloween. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Uh, she's ready for flight, man. 1.21 gigawatts. Well, I'm thinking, just so people know, yeah. you could put a bumper sticker on, then, on there that, say, that says, this is powered by a flux capacitor. Just so people know, it's the next door neighbor of the DeLorean. It, it could be. It could. It could very well be that. Uh, like maybe like a give no flux capacitor. Oh, I no, like that. No flux given. No flux given. No. That's good. Yeah. So I'm thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Boy, I like that microphone there. That's a. Uh, it 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 amplifies. It gets everything. It looks like it's. I can hear your organs moving with this one. You still got a fair amount of control. And it looks like you could. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> looks like you could. Uh, you could maybe like apply a nice coat of blush to that. Oh yeah, I can't tell you how many looks people I get from people in the street when they see me with this. Some kids I was in Chinatown, they're like, "Oh fucking hey man, no way, that is dope shit, man." And he was he was like pointing at my microphone. You're the man on the scene. You're the man on the streets. You're the man with the plan. You're the man no one can beat. That's right. That's right. Uh, gas prices are crazy, by the way. I don't know what's going on, uh, but. I'm paying for the bad stuff today. Well, maybe and I'm you, looking at three, three eighty per per gallo. Well, maybe for the bad, for I the bad what, stuff. I wonder what Vincent Gallo is thinking of how expensive the gallows are. He probably doesn't think about any of that. To the gallows! He's for just probably getting some young starlet to, uh, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, for his next movie. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're going mobile. So I wonder if, like, growing up, he heard, to the gallows. A lot, and then and then people got scared, thinking that they're going to take him to the gallows to get hung. But really, they're just going to the gallows, the the Vincent Gallo family, yeah, Christmas present uh, party to, or whatever. Know, do you remember that guy? I used to know a guy named Gallo. Oh my God, you did I know a Gallo. Rent, I used to rent a you apartment said, from a guy named Gallo. Oh, shit. 
Gallo oh. was actually friends with Billy Zabka. Oh, and that's now, right. And now Billy Zabka's in Cobra Kai. Dude, incredible. And what's crazy it, is, here's what's crazy about Billy Zabka, man. So he was being interviewed about the Cobra Kai project, and he was saying that through the years he's been off for a lot of different things. And he was saying, you know, some people came at me with different spoofs of the Karate Kid. Well, you know, I was one of those people. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, we almost made something happen, but maybe we can now, you know? I think project. so. Very In fact, me think so. Me thinks, me thinks so as well, me thinks. Um, all right, sweet. You know, it's so funny, like, this is... Would you say 10 years ago you had your spoof? More than that. Um, yeah, more than that. Because I'm looking to see if this wraps up with the idea that we were talking the other day where we got the 10-year... You know, we got the we got the recycling of the 10-year turnaround well, kind yeah, of thing going well, on. certainly we have a recycling effect. This is actually further than that, so maybe it's a... Maybe it's an even more oh, profound... Oh, precursor. Yeah, it's like well, one of the... It helped move I, it, it along. Actually, the, the original idea was going to be a short film, and I thought of that in, like early 2001 and then we uh, Rocco and I we got the script written in 2005 we met we met Billy we met Billy in 2002 it was really weird because Gallo we were talking to him about that we had this karaoke movie idea and uh, Gallo is actually the Southern California karaoke champ which was really weird. And then we told him it was going to be this kind of like uh, a little bit of a spoof on the Karate Kid. And he said, well, you know, I actually know Johnny Lawrence. Oh, my God. Uh, he's one of my best friends. Dude. Uh, and we ended up, and the weirdest part about it was to just bring this sucker full circle is that we ended up meeting Billy at a karaoke club. Oh, at of Cozy's, At Cozy's Karaoke. God. And uh, he was he was really kind of pumped up about the idea but you know I'm happy for him he, he had us over by his place and he was a nice guy and I'm, I'm happy that the Cobra Kai thing is doing so well I haven't even watched it yet though I'll confess I gotta it? say it's awesome it's so cool my buddy has um, one of the Atley crew guys has it and so I use that login and I've been watching it I gotta tell you it's oh, so killer. fun because it is just like it's got an 80s movie vibe they have flashbacks they put pieces of the movies into the TV show yeah. as flashbacks. It's phenomenal. It's pretty crazy. I did I did see some of the... Dude, uh, the way that it's edited and everything, the music. Oh. And you know, it's cool because John Hurwitz is behind that. And, and of course... Oh, he is? Well, yeah. It's him and it's him and the Harold Kumar guys that are doing what? it. I didn't and know that. And Hurwitz, you know, of course, we're friends on yeah, Facebook yeah, yeah. and the whole, you know, high Amsterdam thing. You know, it all comes full circle. And I love on it. Facebook, you know, I'm friends with Billy and I'm friends with, uh, with Hayden and John. Jeez. And you know, hey, kitty cat. Um, yeah, so it's good. All right, we're at the casa now. We are at the casa, so uh, we will talk. We will talk more later. It's great, you know, folksy kind of, very melodic. I mean, that of course they're also just amazing. I mean, there's fucking amazing. those guys are. You know, and all the, I mean, all that stuff was, you know, people might take that as lightweight stuff, but it's, it's some of the best, it's some of the best stuff ever done. It's just that it spawned, it spawned a genre that got shitty, you know, all the disco stuff. Because it becomes like this thing where people just look at the elements. It's kind of like when Nirvana came along and Nirvana had... These loud, slamming songs that, with the heavy drums and the guitars and the screaming, 
but it was melodic. You could take Nirvana and you could play it in an elevator like Muzak. But everybody else that came along, well, I mean, I'd say Soundgarden was great too and, and Stone Temple Pilot. But there was a ton of shitty, you know, grunge bands that just came along and just, just were loud. So they looked at just, like you were saying, just those elements and they tried to think, oh, right. well, that's what makes the magic, right? Because right. they're looking at, like... Yeah, it's like, well, okay, I like with disco, oh, it's four to the floor and it's, um, we're going to use these instruments and it's got this kind of groove. And they just put, a, put out a bunch of those kind of songs, but... It's the top line melodies and the, the craftsmanship of those songs, like, dude, the Bee Gees, it holds up. You could do any of those songs in another style, and they work. They don't need to be disco. They don't need to be. You know, you could, they're, you could, you could turn them into something else, and, you know, but, and that's just like that. Uh, or people just think that they can, I mean, it's actually getting, it's making me think of Eminem, right? Well, when he had a line in one of his songs and he's like, 20 million other white rappers emerge or whatever, you know, like assuming that there was going to be this big rush of white rappers because, you know, Elvis came along and did the rock and roll thing and, you know, and then a bunch of, you know, kind of uh, white people came along and did rock and roll. But it's interesting with hip hop, nobody could, nobody can really do what Eminem does. So that was kind of funny. Like, like he didn't, like, it's really, it's really weird. Well, you know? to be fair, I think Snow came pretty close. <laughs> Informer? Yeah. Yeah, that was... You know, say, Dominic Snow, you're my Uncle Blam. Yeah, he was cool. He was from Canada. Oh, wow. Which, great name if you're from Canada. Yeah, it is. Open up the door, look around and go, hey, I got a rap name. Yeah. And it turns out he's white. Yeah. But, um... Oh, we're going to be caught up in some traffic, Bubba. So Eminem decided he thought that maybe there was going to be a big influx of more Yeah, of, of that, but it really hasn't happened. You know what I mean? It really hasn't happened. Because I think that Eminem, culturally speaking, you know, culturally speaking, he's a black kid. I mean, you know, uh, he just comes from an authentic place with it, you know, and his work, his work ethic and his talent, like, it takes serious, serious, serious hours to get that good. And, uh, no, I mean, don't get me wrong, though, but there, there's a ton of, like, underground, you know, um, and Eminem was underground. There's a ton of underground, you know, white talent, you know, white rap talent, but, you know, Eminem somehow pulled off this thing, you know, with Dre coming, coming on board where it was pop. But it's, but it is kind of strange, as much as I love Eminem, his stuff doesn't hold up well, which mm. is weird. And I and I think that that's because he just pop culture referenced so much mm. that it's just so dated. Oh. You know, Britney Spears and right, calling like, out all the NSYNC. It's just oh. so, like, it's so super dated. That makes sense. That a lot of his stuff doesn't hold up as as well as, as I thought it would back in the day. It just really hasn't, really. I mean, I still listen to it, but... It's kind of a funny thing. He was he's sort of a, a kind of zeitgeist type of rapper. Like, he'd be in the moment with some kind of current news event and this rap about it, whether it was Marilyn Manson or, or, or somebody, you know, getting under his skin, Christina Aguilera or something. And all that stuff, you know, I mean, imagine if you were, like, a young kid, you'd come across it, and it might be an interesting, almost like archival thing, like, oh, who are those people he's talking yeah. about? Yeah. And they're fun songs, but... 
as incredible. I mean, he was the top earning music artist of the of the. Well, he's the top mu earning music artist, I think, of the 21st century. I'm pretty sure he was the top selling hip hop artist for sure for you know the first decade of the century. But I don't know if he holds up. You know, it's kind of weird. Do you think maybe he has I an think, alter like, ego? That I think Tupac holds up better than Eminem. But I think Eminem is a much, 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 much better rapper. Like a much better rapper. But Tupac's songs feel timeless. Almost like they're... Yeah, they're, they're like these... Uh, I mean, I think there's actually... A, I think there's actually courses taught in college about Tupac and Tupac's hmm. lyrics and songs. Interesting. And the cultural importance of, of what he did. But, yeah... Okay, well, we are. So, do you think it's because Eminem was using so many pop culture references that that's why he's kind of frozen in time? He's kind of given him, you know, yeah. it's like a time capsule that's just kind of like there. It'd be similar to, like, let's say, let's say, oh gosh, what's his name? The Frank Sinatra guy, um, the recent guy, oh God, Tony Bennett. It, it'd be like him throwing in culture references, like his old songs all being about, you know, I don't know, Three Stooges yeah. or whatever was going on back then. Yeah, no, totally. That's, that's, that's totally what it would be like. You know, I just had an interesting thought about Eminem. I want, I, I want to explore this. Yeah. Here's the strange thing. You know, he he used to catch a whole lot of hell uh, from from the left politically. You know, for the things he would say. Uh, you know, gays and against women and you know, you know, and he used to catch all this crap. You know, and then he then he sort of did a little PR thing with Elton John and tried to settle that. But there was still like this big you know, pushback against him from the left. And it's just funny now because he decides to go out and he does a bunch of stuff about Donald Trump. And he and now all of a sudden he's like this champion of the left, you know. And it's just kind of weird. It's like these same people uh -huh. 10 years ago really hated him. And I just think it's kind of funny how he's kind of chasing down the, again, sniffing out the zeitgeist. Like, well, pretty easy target, you know. And, yeah, he's super clever, but that's kind of like an easy target. It's kind of an easy win. It's low-hanging fruit. Like, he used to be... The rebel guy, and then now he sort of lined up with more of the pop popular kind of sentiment. And it's very weird to me, yeah. like how he how he made that shift. So I don't know. I just yeah. I just made that just came the low hanging it. sentiments. It's low. <laughs> that sounds like. A, could you crack the window a little? I know oh, it's for yeah. sound, but we need a little crossover. I'm going to low hanging sentiments. I'm wearing an, uh, an unfo I made an unfortunate sweater uh, decision out of foil. <laughs> No, they construct like one of those foil I things a, that they give you at marathons I afterwards. Made a, I made an unfortunate sweater decision. I'm, I'm currently wearing a sweater that's 15 degrees too stupid for this trip and uh, sweltering a little. So I've opened up the windows. We might be, the sound might be affected, but uh, I need to be comfortable and cozy for this next half hour. However, to the Alaskians who are listening to this, it would be perfect in your region. <laughs> Is it Alaskians? I guess so. Alaskans? Probably Alaskians better. It just sounds more vocabularic. It does. You know, <laughs> Alaskian, it's like, uh, it's a little more, uh, what would that... Is there something like, kind of exotic about it? It is. It almost, it, yeah, it puts a favorable spin on, yeah, the, icy, favorable. on the icy region <laughs> we know of as Alaska. Alaskian... It's a little more like luxurious. It's kind of like yeah. rich Corinthian leather. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it makes you feel like Hart, Ricardo Montalban's yeah. uh, ghost might rich, be rich Alaskian might snow. Be riding an avalanche down yeah. the side with uh, Hervé Villachay. Hervé. <laughs> it's a Villachay. That poor I little guy shot. Hervé Villachay. You know, 
hey, hey. I've always loved Look, that guy. I, I do. I love him, and I'm gonna do a little disclaimer. I, I don't want to speak ill of the of the gone. Okay, but I will admit the way that little man took himself out. Uh, you know, he shot himself in the body. Okay, Oof. with shotgun. Now, I don't know. What I'm imagining was a sawed-off shotgun. That's not so bad. But I'm imagining yeah. his little arms extended, turning a shotgun onto his torso. Yeah. And there was recordings of it back in the day. This is getting a little dark for a podcast, but there was recordings that were on, uh, like, 2020 or something back in the day. And he was, ah, help me, help. Like, you know, it didn't, it didn't happen quickly. It was sort of sad. But anyway, that's a dark thing. But uh, Tattoo, rest in peace. Well, Hervé Villachet. Did you know that... Uh, per- perfect chemistry, those two. What is that guy? The, the little guy on uh, Game of Thrones is going to play him in a, in a Peter biopic. Peter Oh, yeah, that guy, uh-huh. Well, that's kind of weird. Yeah. How well, Mexican okay, is so he? Okay, poli- so right, where are the politically correct uh, pe- uh, people right now who yeah. should be clamoring against why right. don't they cast why don't they cast a little Mexican? Yeah. Because I think they're whitewashing the role. Uh, that, that, what, that's right around the corner. That's the right estate, around the corner. The Villa Shea estate... The Villa Shade, the Villa... Well, and then there'll be counter-protests by little people going, what, you're saying that just because you hate little people, right? That's true. There'll be counter-protests. Well, here's the thing. There's so many ways to slice a person. And then counter-protests on that with with the Mexican little people going, well, wait a a second. There's so many ways to categorize people, and it seems very arbitrary. And the thing is, you know, it's like as these little chunks, these little segments get keep, keep getting, you know... D- divvied up it's sort of like lgbtqrxy absolutely y2c3po yeah you know robots will be in there mm-hmm. and the thing is it all ends up what the funny thing is this guy called that intersectionality uh but it's all arbitrary where you decide to intersect those things well it's all well what if you're a you know midget what if you're an african-american midget homosexual right right i mean that would be a way to slice it but Here's the thing, man. Okay, people, listen up. The thing is, our culture was based on individuality. And when you keep slicing, 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 what it ultimately comes down to, oddly enough, is you circle back to the person. Yeah. You beca- you beca- you're a one of one. You know, when we're younger, we tribe up, we group up, we go in cliques. But as we get older, you become more and more and more and more singular because you've lived a life that becomes more and more and more yours and specific. When you're younger, yes. you have more shared experiences, more collective things. But as you get older, you just start, you know, defining yourself as a singular being. And, and so all of this nonsense of how to categorize people in collectivist thinking, I think, is nonsense. I don't know. It's interesting with, you know, because ultimately, like we were talking about earlier today, it, it's it's such a joy to be able to hang out with you and be able to talk about synchronicities, talk about these, you know, what what would be sometimes considered, you know, outlandish ideas, right. so c- completely absurd, surreal, and, okay, guys, reel it in, reel it in, let's get back to reality, okay, reel it in. So, it's so nice to be able to, like, just go completely kind of funny what you said. boundless, right? Reel it in. Oh, interesting. Reel it in. Which, actually, we're doing the biggest reeling in that anybody could ever imagine, the farther out we get. Well, what is real? Here's a jump-off point for this next segment of our of our podcast. Uh-huh. What is real, right? Uh, I'm gonna just rip this right off. I was talking earlier about you know Jordan Peterson, uh, you know who's uh, gaining traction uh, in the, you know in the in the media, and you know he's he's some people's hero and he's some people's villain. But he has this great sort of take perspective on the idea of reality, and 
uh, he sort of gave the example of a married couple, right? So you've been married to your wife for, for 25 years, and you, you know, you've had this really happy marriage, and it's been very satisfying to you, and, and you've had trips together, and you've, you've had children, and you've really built a life together, and it's really been a special journey for you. And then let's say that you find out that she's like cheating on you, right? And okay, that's a shock, right? Oh, you've seen this other guy. But let's say then you find out that not only is she, is she cheating on you, but she's been cheating on you like the entire time, right? Well, think about that now, okay? What is real? Because you hear people say this. They say, well, was the marriage even real? Uh. And it's not that crazy to say, you know what, it wasn't. Well, now what has to happen is you have to reconcile 25 years of your whole existence as being as you're living in a false narrative, and now that's a tough thing. To, that's now. a tough thing to stomach. Now, so what is real? What what is that? What's going on there? Okay, because that's not a material reality, and I think that's where Jordan makes a good case against materialism. Is you know the materialists are like, well, reality is this sort of concrete stuff. Well, maybe not because we're living in a we live in a psychological space. Yeah. And it's a Carl Jung kind of thing where he's like, you know, we don't have ideas. Ideas have us. Yeah. We're, 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 we're captivated. And we're, so this man is captivated the, by the idea of his marriage. And that idea is real enough to give him peace and to give him happiness. And when that's torn apart, it's a complete betrayal. And he's literally been disintegrated. His life's been evaporated. What a, what a strange thing. It's no different. Like, how is that any different than a building coming down? Right, right. Your whole life comes apart. You go. That's no different than a building coming down. So you know that's an interesting argument about reality. It really is, because then it really give it really sits you back in the driver's seat of of choice. What yeah. what 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 reality do you want to choose to believe? You know, yeah. as you're saying, no matter where you're going. Well, as the old phrase goes, wherever you go, there you are. My uncle Arnie loved saying it. Wherever you go, there you are. Okay. And so that psychological space, you're taking that psychological space with you wherever you're going. Right. So it's so funny because those who are saying, well, reality is what's concrete, well, as dude would say, well, that's just your opinion, man. <laughs> right. right? So maybe to another person, the most real thing to me is the imagination in my brain, you right. know? Now, who's who's the author and who's the judge of saying, this one is actually more of the real thing than that one? Because then that person who's the judge of it is actually that subjective as well because then they're yeah. basing it on whatever reality. And then what? You got to go down the, the, the rabbit hole and find out where their belief system is based on. Oh, did he listen to a lot of, you know, oh, does he have credentials? And, you know, it's like, listen, right. you know, we, we are, everybody's living in some sort of delusion. Right. It's just it's which sort of delusion. Necessary. Right. It's a necessary delusion. Yeah, it's, whether it's the nine to five stuck in a cubicle delusion, whether it's a artist staying, you know, at home painting all day delusion, well, whether it's the, you know, taking care of animals all day delusion, <laughs> you know, whatever the thing is. Yeah, well, well, the thing is, is that we have to sort of have a delusion by necessity, meaning as you're looking at the world, it needs to be in a fairly low resolution so that you can handle it. Mm. In other words, it's like, if you actually processed all the information around you, look at this, this, we're right now, by the way, we're driving south on the 405. And if you look around this 405, there's a lot going on here right now. Yeah. But, but in order for me to kind of stay the course, I've got to really only concern myself with some key variables. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so our, our uh, perception of reality uh, kind of stops at a, a lower resolution, another JPP term, but I love that. But if we wanted to go deeper, we could. Like, I could get into what goes into the bumper of that car. Oh, right. What goes out. Like, you could, you could yeah. go in, 
and 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 that is also actually there. It's just that we're not right, you know. So, and the other sort of thing that we need, sort of evolutionary wise, is this. You know why negative? It's kind of like why negative news make you know, uh, you know, commands a lot of attention because really for survival we have to. A few things could kill us, right? It's like so we're we're sort of programmed to be on a bit of alert for something that might be negative. So you know when you have a headline that ah. says you know this additive in your food could give you cancer. Yeah. You're going to click on that mm. because, well, what the hell is it? I don't want cancer. Yeah. Whereas I might say, well, this food, um, this food could, uh, you know, give you more energy. You'd be like, well, okay, I know how to get more energy. Maybe, maybe you got like seven other ideas for that. But something that might kill you or something that might hurt you, you have to pay attention to. Mm. And so we take, we take safe routes a lot because yeah. if I drive the same way to work every day and I didn't die... I want to repeat not dying, so I take the same route. Mm. And it starts to carve a groove. And we take yeah. the same route in many things that we choose to do. Things we say, beliefs we have, because while well, we go, well, 100% of the time, I haven't died from doing it. Well, think about that. So people are stuck in so many grooves because as far as they're concerned, it's worked so far. Yeah, And yeah. it really isn't until they're doing something that might threaten their own existence that they might want to change. So to voluntarily go outside your comfort zone it's a bit you're you're bucking a little bit of a of nature but at the same time you're a pioneer you're you're an explorer nothing great has happened without exploration lewis yeah. and clark you know yeah. you you, you, no, you have to be that's willing. the only way you discover that's stuff is by way, exploring and, you, and, and you're having and and so the stories the archetypes and what i've also learned through jpb is this idea of sacrifices as old as is as old as time right uh, the Bible, Cain and Abel, and these things—you know, Job waiting around. You know, when you, when you're willing to sacrifice for a bigger reward, there's something magical in that. Mm. When you're willing to stay within your, uh, stick to your guns, you know, and hold your integrity, it's almost like you will become, re you will get rewarded for that sacrifice almost every time. It's really bizarre. Uh, you know, you can take the big prize now and maybe sell your soul a little or you could sort of stick to the things that bring you that that give you that meaning and when you when you're there with that meaning you 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 know you're there i think everybody knows hey that guy was playing a mean uh dashboard drum by the way oh good um anyway very cool to see somebody just whapping along oh, on the yeah. dashboard playing a nice lick yeah but uh you know that's sort of where meaning is at when, when you just know that that's the right thing you you should be doing not because of some financial reward, but then oddly enough, when you do that kind of stuff, it seems like the financial rewards sort of find their way to yeah. you. Yeah, it's like a byproduct that it you, just it is a natural only comes to you because you're not looking for it, huh? It's like, hey, pay attention to me now. You right, know, it ends exactly. Up becoming this it, interesting. It, absolutely, and you know, what are you willing to sacrifice? And because sacrifice is this strange thing about not knowing, you know, because you go, well, I'm pretty sure. If I do this, there might be there might be a payoff, but you're not sure because it's the future, right? Mm. You don't know. So there, there's also another part of this whole comfort zone thing because people live in the moment hedonistically sometimes. When we say in the moment in this context, meaning sort of like a slave to your desires, which is a different thing than being present. Mm. That's a very different thing because I feel like if you're present, say, working on an art piece... 
that's going to turn into a big mural, you're not just quenching some kind of like sugar fixation, you know, uh, licking a salt lick or just having like cheap sex. You're doing something with the idea that this bigger picture, in this case, the mural, quite literally, is going to come together. But you don't have a guarantee that it will. And that's kind of what the same idea of being a pioneer is. You don't know, yeah. but you, you're pretty damn sure it still matters to stay on that course. And that's why telling the truth matters. And that's what art is. If you tell the truth, it might hurt you in the short term. You might say something that rubs someone the wrong way. But you got to bank on that. You got to put those truth coins in the bank because you can cash in on the truth later. You live your life of truth, you get rewarded with a big truth prize. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? That's awesome. Riff on that idea. I like that. Well, then what's interesting too, like if we truly are following our intuition, like the, you know, carving the path, so to speak, um, and exploring and following our intuition, and we, the more we trust with that, trust that, um, no matter what, we're, we're not, there, there won't be anxiety, there won't be worry, there won't be anything if, if you're completely fine with following what that calling is and you sure. stay the course with it. Now there's no like, oh, geez, I really hope it turns out right or, oh, gosh, I'm working really hard at this. No, that, none of that stuff even has to enter the equation then right. because now it's like it becomes this thing of like you're actually truly, car you know, creating your future, yeah. you know? Yeah. And well, if, Buckminster Fuller, the best way to predict the future is to design it. Oh, God, that it's so brilliant. And that goes right along with the idea of uh, creating the art that you want to see in the world. Because and if that's the case, if you're creating the art that you want to see in the world, well, then there's no, there's no, it's just, there's no outside authority telling you whether <laughs> right. something's shitty or not. You're just going, okay, you know what? Am I okay with this? You know, am I fine with where it wants to lead me? Right. And if... And if you go easy on that and go, yeah, and be gentle with it, go, yeah, okay, you know what, yeah, I'm going to let it take me where it wants to go. Holy moly, now we've opened up the universe to be able to offer us so many wonderful surprises and circumstances yeah. that come our way. we got to keep going because I'm paying attention to a little uh, exit coming up. So. Oh, yeah, I'll okay, let actually, let me, let me pause this now before we get a phone call coming in.